childcare is just so unaffordable. And now you add to that, like, I don't know how young families are doing it. Groceries for two people, just my husband and I, like what that costs. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I walk out with two bags of groceries and I just spent a hundred dollars. And I remember walking out with two bags of groceries at $45 and it wasn't that long ago. And incomes are not going up at the same rate inflation is going up. And I just don't, I don't understand how people can sit on the sidelines and not get involved when there's so many important things now. I mean, it's not just the big issues. It's the pocketbook issues. I I got gas today while I was listening to that segment on the radio. I pull in to get gas and I look and it's like, when did it become, I I don't drive as much as I used to. When did it become 381 a gallon? Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interests in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate. And if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Hello, and welcome to Political Contessa. I am Jennifer Nassor, and I am your Political Contessa. As you know, I love to interview some really interesting women that do different things, usually different things in politics, because I always want you to see that you could be involved in politics. You don't need to have a degree in political science. You don't need to be a lawyer. You don't need to want to run for office. But the importance of being in politics is is more than running for office. It's more than being a campaign manager. It's being able to make sure that your voice is always being heard because that's what representative democracy is all about. It's about making sure your voice is heard and the voice of people who don't have a voice is heard. So with me today, I have a friend of mine, Judy Crocker. Judy is on the Republican State Committee in Massachusetts. Now, I know you don't understand what the hell the Republican State Committee is and don't worry about it. I was the chair of it. No one understood what it was. It's 80 men and women, 40 from in Massachusetts, at least 40 men from different the 40 different Senate districts we have and 40 women from those same Senate districts. Judy's been on the Republican State Committee and holding down the fort there for over a decade. And she is a magnificent state committee woman and she hails from Cape Cod. But more importantly, is the fact that Judy serves as CEO, founder and creative director of Make You Known Marketing, which was founded in 2019. Judy has spent over 25 years in the broadcast industry on the Cape and in Boston, and was part of a team who launched a digital division at her previous company. And she's a champion of both small and medium-sized businesses. And Judy understands what it takes 
to put someone, change someone's look, change someone's demeanor, change the attitude and the perception that the public might see or feel about the person, which makes her phenomenal in politics, in a world where lots of chameleons and we need to make sure that people actually resonate. And so Judy has been involved in this business. She has been helping candidates for for a very long time, longer longer than she's been on the state committee. And she has been in all of those rooms. And I'm going to say this because she's not going to tell you this when she finally gets on, but she has been the only woman in a room with men for many, many years. And it takes a lot of guts. I'm going to say it takes balls to be in those rooms and to be able to be the one who has a differing opinion. And that is why Judy is with me today, because I want to talk to her about what it's like to be the woman in the room, but also why we need more women in politics. So Judy, thank you for being here on Political Contessa. Thanks, Jen. I appreciate you having me today. I always say it doesn't take balls. It takes ovum to be uh, (laughs) the only woman in the room. (laughs) But I'm bump. It does. It does. And and you and I share with a couple of other special women that that space of, of being the only woman. And I know you, like me, have worked for many female candidates trying to get them elected to change the conversation, to bring more women into politics and 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 to make sure that we have a balanced democracy. So so let's kick it off. Like why this is always my question. What got you interested in politics in the first place? My husband. <laughs> <laughs> My husband decided to run for state rep and he needed a campaign manager. And I was at the time I thought I was sitting in the wrong place. And then I got bit by the bug really hard and just stayed involved. And many years later, here I am still involved serving with my husband on the state committee. Have you ever thought about how archaic it is that there's a man and a woman from every state committee district? Like, why not just two people? Right. I agree. I mean, it, just two pe- two good qualified people instead of women, two men, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, actually, they changed the nomination papers this year for the first time ever. That there's a box now that you have to check, man or woman, and I wonder if that's because they're concerned about someone being gender neutral, huh. because that doesn't fit into mass general law. Right. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. I don't know. I just I saw it and I was like, why all of a sudden do I have to check a box? And it's really interesting because we are Massachusetts and not Alabama. Right. I mean, you you would you wouldn't expect that from here. But it it is our old system, which is unfortunate. And and I mean, I think one of the things and, and again, it goes to Massachusetts being a a blockade right in this in this. Oh, we're so liberal and we're so progressive bullshit. It's it's not true, right? We we are still back in the stone ages. Just everyone wants to tell you what they, you know, it's the nimbyism, right? It's the not in my backyard. I'm going to tell you what makes you feel good, but we're really not going to change anything. We're all going to play by these rules. So, I mean, isn't this why we need to have more women active in politics though, right? Is because 
if if we really truly want balance. So using Massachusetts as an example, and all around the country, I mean, our legislature doesn't look any different than any other state legislature with the composition of men and women. Now, we are different as far as our constitutional officers are primarily women, with the exception of the one man. And we are very heavy on women in our in Congress from Massachusetts, even though they're all in the other party. It's fine. There, there are a lot of women. But in the legislature, we seem to still have be on par with the rest of the country in having more men than women elected to office, whereas the entire country is 51 percent female and 49% male, we're, we're totally imbalanced. And, and again, going to just straight off democracy, forget about political parties, it would be wonderful to have more women, but I think it changes the conversation, right? By, by you being in a room, talking to a candidate who is most likely a man with a bunch of men there, you are coming at the strategy from a, from a viewpoint of a female who might say you should handle this issue differently, right? I remember sitting in a room with a bunch of guys talking about a previous campaign and them saying, well, the candidate came at it talking about child care. Like, who? nobody's talking about that. Who cares about that? I'm like, <laughs> women. Women care about that. Some men do too, but like a lot of women care about that. You yeah. Know? And then hearing someone say in the last cycle, I refuse to believe women are driven by this strictly by the the issue of choice. I refuse to believe women would be so short-sighted. I said, says someone who's never carried a baby for nine months. Exactly. Or 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 right? had an intimate discussion with a friend about what it's like or those choices, right? A roommate, a friend, a sister, He's a cousin. A daughter. Daughter. I mean, exactly. Yeah. It's it's really and I and I think that's that is a very important purpose, right? That you serve in those rooms is because I know when I look at things, I look at them from the perspective of what I have heard my friends say, what's important. So I talk to my daughters and their friends. And I, I never want them to vote based off of the choice issue solely, right? But I know that that's one of the, it is just one of those issues because it is an issue that even if you're 85 years old, it's in the back of your mind. What if this was my granddaughter, right? What if? So it is it is an issue. Childcare early. I was talking to a friend earlier and saying about early childhood education, right? It's like, that's not, those aren't poison words. Why shouldn't we be educating children from when they're very little and give them a help, a hand up? Because I don't think we could help you when you're 40. I think that when you're three, six, yeah. six, right? That's like, that's a time where you should have a hot meal at school and you should have the education and you should have the support. Because when you're 40, I really don't want to hold your hand and I really don't want to give you a free meal for sitting around and doing nothing. And by then you should have your act together, right? And so I think that there's such a different way that we as women can communicate a message and say, people do care about that, right? It, it, those are issues that people care about. 
sometimes you have to stand on the middle of the table in the conference room and dance up and down to get them to pay attention <laughs> to you. Like they still like, oh, okay, well, yes, you're the only woman in the room and we value your opinion, but you don't know what you're talking about. Right. It's like a dancing monkey with the symbols. Boom, boom. Right. And the little hat and you're staying there and you're stomping around. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's like, I, I'm not, I'm not the little woman. I, I actually know what I'm talking about and I have my ear to the ground. And the one thing, like I try to explain to women all the time, and I'm sure you do this too. Our networks are so vast. So I'm not just talking to you or talking to my other political friends. I have friends of all stripes, all different ages, from my intern that's 21 to my children that are in their late teens to my friend that's 85 years old. I mean, I I run the gamut. And so when I'm get, collecting information. And you actually have real conversations with those people. It's it's a, just a different type of conversation. I know my physical therapist is suffering from her own f- frozen shoulder. And I know that you went through something similar and you fixed it by doing this and I'm getting names for her. And at the same time, the woman that comes into physical therapy before me, I know she fell down and and twisted her ankle. And it's not just like I know that that person's like my husband would know that that person's there for physical therapy. Right. And he might know that our physical therapist had surgery. But like they don't, I don't know if it's just a different level of conversation, but I get in deep with a lot of people that I don't know very well. And I know a lot about them. So you hear things differently and you listen differently. And we just, the the men is, men are for Mars and women are for Venus. That book, I always jokingly say to some my girlfriends over martinis, and I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but like <laughs> there are days when I go, I would probably be, I could probably be a lesbian if I just couldn't get past the sex part, right? Because like we have these just very different conversations, two women versus a man and a woman. It's just different. And it's because we're wired different. It's we're raised different. It's all of those things. And yet at the same time, women are voting as often as men and the men in the room won't listen to us. Why is that? Right. Well, and so I go back to this. We need more women, right? We need more women involved means different candidates. It means different support of candidates. It means different policy. It means different conversations. And you know, as well as I know, that women do not donate like men donate, right? So so it almost ends up being, and I hate to say this, But it's a fact. And anyone out there who wants to refute this fact, come, please text me, tweet at me. I'm more than happy to have the conversation. Money talks and bullshit walks. And it it is constant all the time. The guys get access. They get in there. They have more conversations with the candidates, more conversations with the elected officials because they are donating. Women, they sit on there. I just sent out an invitation to a bunch of friends. And I'm sorry, my friends, you're listening to this. And I just sent out an invitation to a bunch of friends for a Boston City Council candidate who I'm helping. He is Boston City Council is nonpartisan and he is a Democrat. And the Boston City Council is cuckoo bananas, 
crazy insane. And there are like four moderate Democrats on it. And two of that, two of those four are retiring. So my friend who ran against me in 2019 is now running and he's a great guy. He's a assistant district attorney and he's gregarious and he's just like a big teddy bear. So I send it out to a bunch of women. No one freaking responds. And I'm like, listen, you know what? I mean, I know people will show up. I know that people like him and I know that they'll vote for him. But I tell them all the time, you need to put your money where your mouth is and you need to start donating. And so that is like, aren't those ways of you help on a campaign, you donate, even if it's $10, if it's $50, if it's $100, it just changes the what they're listening to, because if they're always in the same echo chamber, listening to the same people, they never have any other thoughts. Well, and people donate typically for two reasons. One is they want access to that candidate after they get elected. And the other is because they're ideologically in line with that candidate, right? They believe what they believe. And I just had a candidate for town council in my living room, a couple of candidates. And one of them said, well, I'm not going to raise the money. I'm just going to spend my own money. And I said, why? Like, well, I mean, I know we're talking about town council here. We're talking about maybe $5,000, $10,000 at the most. But why? Well, I, I went and saw my next door neighbor to sign my papers. And he said, Oh, I bet you're going to be taking all kinds of money so that people will be you'll be in their pocket. And I'm like, you're really going to let what one person thinks influence you? Like, why are you going to do that? But at the same time, like this person's now not getting back to me because I told them they needed to do, you know, raise enough money for three mailers. They need to knock on doors. They need to. And now like he's gone into hiding. And is it because he really thought he could just stick his name on the ballot and get elected? Or is it because they didn't realize the work that was involved? Or is it because he's listening to his friends that live in that area and he thinks he's got it because they're all like, oh, you're a shoe in. Mm. You're not. It doesn't work that way. And it you don't that way. you don't realize that until you put your name on a ballot and lost or yes. being close to someone who's put their name on the ballot and lost. You don't yeah. realize what it takes until you've actually done it. You've done it. You 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 advised so many candidates and you put your name on a ballot and you experienced it. And didn't your perspective on the whole process change? Totally, totally. Because you know what? Because honestly, that's what I'm saying is I try to come at it now when I'm consulting candidates, right? In a and and sitting in those strategy meetings in a different way, because people it was amazing. It's like the people who I thought were my friends when I started campaigning, like went dark. And then there were some other people that I was shocked that like they brought their kids out and they wore my T-shirts and they walked around the street every Saturday and Sunday in my bright yellow T-shirts and they showed up for everything and they made pancakes and they were so proud to help. And I'm like, by the way, that's political activism, right? Like you might not think you're doing anything, but you're helping me. And and that is but that changes it. That doesn't mean that you're in anyone's pocket. And it doesn't mean if you donate that 
that anyone is just going to pay attention to you. But what it does do is sometimes it gets you a seat at the table. And again, it's like just to have a different conversation, right? Just to say, like you said before, did you ever think that maybe daycare is important? Childcare is an actual important thing to women, a lot of women, and definitely to men who are also like one of us has to stay home. That changes the economics in the house. Or you're a single dad. What are you going to do? You need the childcare, right? If you any of those topics that you that you think about, it is it is passionate and you don't know what's passionate to a particular individual. And so you need to have that other perspective. And that's what a lot of times it gets you, right? Is is working on a campaign. Suddenly you get three minutes while you're eating pizza and the candidate walks in and you've got three minutes to talk to the candidate and say, you know what I heard on the street today? You know, someone called the office and they were complaining about today. Yeah. Yeah. You get that that ability to just give your opinion because you're in the right room. It's it, you're in the right place. I, I heard something, I was listening to the news this morning and I heard someone say they were talking about what's going on in DC right now and the government potential government shutdown and all that sort of stuff. And they were talking about how child care for one child, and I don't have any children. I mean, I have two dogs, which uh, I take They're care children. of my children, so they probably <laughs> I probably spend almost as much. But child care for one child can cost more than in-state tuition at a state school. Holy cow! And I was like, "Wow, wow!" It's just shocking, right? Like, I know that my husband and I talked long and hard about it when we were trying to have children and. Our plan was that my husband would stay home and I would continue to work because I worked in sales. So my income could go up if I worked harder, whereas his was going to stay the same no matter what he did, maybe get a 2% raise every year or whatever. So there was that opportunity for my income to grow and his wouldn't grow. So when we were trying, that was our plan. But childcare is just so unaffordable. And now you add to that. Like, I don't know how young families are doing it. Groceries for two people, just my husband and I, like what that costs. I, I'm I'm flabbergasted. I walk out with two bags of groceries and I just spent $100. And I remember walking out with two bags of groceries at $45 and it wasn't that long ago. And incomes are not going up at the same rate inflation is going up. And I just don't, I don't understand how people can sit on the sidelines and not get involved when there's so many important things now. I mean, it's not just the big issues. It's the pocketbook issues. I, I got gas today while I was listening to that segment on the radio. I pull in to get gas and I look and it's like, when did it become, I, mean, I don't drive as much as I used to. When did it become 381 a gallon? Like, when did that happen? It was I, it was like 325 not that long ago, you know. When did that happen? When did groceries, when did my coffee cost $7? When did, how did this all happen? And to sit on the sideline and let other people make decisions for you and not at least be involved. I, I say this all the time and anybody who bitches at me, excuse me, I hope I can say that. But You can say anybody that. Anybody who bitches <laughs> at me, who doesn't vote, don't even, don't even, 
the first thing I do when they, when they start is like, did you, I go, did you vote? And if they say they haven't voted, whether it's for select board or for a school committee or for state rep or for president, whatever it might be, if you didn't vote, just shut your mouth. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care if you vote for the Democrat. I don't care if you vote for the Republican. I don't know. I don't care if you vote for the the crazy person that was put their name on the ballot as like, I don't know, some we the people candidate like nobody's ever heard of or whatever it might be. Just vote. Just vote. See, and that's I mean, that's one of the things that I try to do with the podcast. Right. And I try to educate especially women on because you get so bit. So again, my city council race, so many of my friends had never voted in a local election before my race. And you're talking about women in their forties and fifties that had never voted in a city council or local election in their life. And I always say to people You can't complain if you're not voting, right? Because you're part of the problem. And this is the scary thing to me coming ahead in 2024 is that no one likes Biden. No one likes Trump. But in the meantime, everyone's like, well, what else are we going to do? What what other choice do we have? You know, you have choices. There are tons of campaigns going on out there. Go pick a different campaign. Go work for someone else. Go have your voice heard. You don't need to write an op-ed, but do a blog or post something or like something on Twitter that someone else did or go and and figure out who has a local campaign office, right? And start helping because if we all just sit there and say, well, there's nothing else we could do, then our nice democracy that we enjoy turns into socialism, which turns into communism. And then someone else is making all the decisions for us and there are no elections. And it's a it's a really slippery slope, I think. And And I hope that more people understand that getting out there, voting is your number one activist role in political activism. Know who the candidates are before you go and vote actually would be your number one thing. Going out and voting, helping on a campaign, making some phone calls for people, even if you're not helping the campaign, but it's just someone you like. Maybe host them in your home, do a meet and greet with some Address friends. envelopes if you don't want to be vocal. Address envelopes. If you don't want to ever talk to anyone, you don't have to talk to anyone. Address envelopes, right? I mean, you can send texts now today. I mean, there are so many different ways, but I think you and I both probably have a million stories that we could share, the fun, the good, bad, and the ugly, right, of working on a campaign. Yeah. I've made some of my best friends exactly. working on campaigns. Exactly. When my husband first ran in 06, we had a group of friends that we don't see any of them anymore. And all of our friends we've now met through politics. It's, I just don't even, it just morphed. Like you talk about, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. One of the local municipalities hired me, my company to move the needle at town meeting. They had a huge wastewater treatment bill that was going up and they needed people to vote. And on the Cape, you're dealing with the mass DEP who who put forth some rulings that if, if you don't, you can no longer have a title five septic system. You're going to have to have what they call a nitrogen IAA system, which is $50,000. 
So I have a brand new Title V septic system in my backyard, and I'm going to have to change that if I don't have sewering, even though I haven't finished paying for it. So here we are, everybody's up in arms over this. And so now one of the local municipalities is going to put through their wastewater treatment plan. And if it passes, then people like me don't have to worry about this IA system. We can wait for sewering to come in down our street. So I, I said, first thing I said to them is I said, I need your town clerk to send me a list of the highest turnout at town meeting uh, in the past year, in five years, like the most turnout you've had. So I get the list emailed to me and I open it up and I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of people on it. There was 282 people on it. And I said, there's got to be something wrong. There's only, yeah, that's about all we get at town meeting. And this is not a small town. This is one of the larger towns on the Cape. And I was like, are you kidding? So we did everything we needed to do. And we drove out 785 people, which is a huge increase over 282, but it's still not a lot of people. And what was amazing to me is they came in, they sat through the first however many articles, they got to the article on wastewater, they voted unanimously to put through the wastewater treatment plan. And then they all got up and left. They all got up and left and we were left with like 282 people. And I'm like, here you are. You got so engaged in an issue that you got in your car, you and your spouse or you alone, and and you drove down to the middle school to sit at this meeting. You sat through the first two hours. You probably have another two hours left. And you didn't care about anything else that was going on in your town or weren't at least curious. You got up and left. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I I don't understand that. Yeah. And you're, you're complaining about your dump sticker going up and you're complaining about your childhood, your children's lunch plan going up, whatever you're complaining about. Like you, you couldn't give it a couple more hours. It's really, it's really unfortunate. I mean, and, and again, that's what I talk about democracy so much because I think the downfall of democracy is this laziness, is this um, complacency of, well, it's just going to happen and we don't, whatever happens, happens. We'll just deal with it. I don't want to just deal with it. I, I don't want, if you are not being active and being a participant, then you're part of the problem, right? You're either part of the solution and you're doing something to change it. And even if it doesn't work out and candidates that we've worked for who haven't won, but at least we tried, right? It's like leaving a seat unchallenged. Yeah, we might not win, but you know what? We're definitely not going to win if we don't have anyone out there. <laughs> so you make sure that you're you're doing something. And if you're going to go out and vote, take 10 minutes and go online and read your candidate's website. Don't read the newspapers, okay? Don't read your candidate's website, the two candidates' website. I, I, I often say that voting is like the work football pool, okay? All right, that Democrats, they know who they're gonna vote for. Republicans know who we're gonna vote for. People who are engaged in the process, we know when we walk out the door or we put it in the mail, we know who we're going to vote for. It's the people that go vote 
that don't know who they're going to vote for and make their decisions based on who has the cutest quarterback and who has the best logo on their helmet. People are actually making decisions like that. I I will never forget. It was such an eye-opening experience. The first time my husband ran, uh, our campaign consultant suggested that I write a letter to every woman in the district on pink paper. Oh. Okay. Oh, telling them why my husband was such a great guy and why you should vote for him. And were you supposed to spray some perfume on it as well? No, we didn't do that. <laughs> but I wrote the letter. I, we mailed it out. And I got a phone call around one o'clock on election day saying uh, from this older woman, you could just hear her age and her voice. And she said, is anybody picking up people and driving them to the polls? And I said, sure. Where do you live? And she tells me, and I'm like, I'm looking at my schedule. I've got the clipboard and I'm like, nobody's even in that area. I am. I'm going to go get her. So drive over and I pick her up and She's legally blind. She's got her magnifying glass with her. She's 92 years old because she told me. And she gets in, gets in my car and I help her in the car. And she says to me, I said, what's driving you out today? And she said, I'm going to vote for the first Republican I've ever voted for in 92 years. And I said to her, why are you doing that? And she pulls this pink piece of paper out of her. And it was because of the letter I wrote. They seem like, I don't know a lot about his politics, but they seem like such a nice family. <laughs> well, she was correct on that, but that's not the reason to, right, right. Right. And I, we get there to the polling location and she's asking me to fill out her ballot for her, right? So like now I'm like, oh, great. So I'm reading all I'm reading out loud, very loudly, like each candidate. And I and she's I and she's like saying, do you know him? Is he a nice man? <laughs> so, Judy, I probably have told you this before. It is like and I really and every time I tell the story, I'm like, I need to get that episode right. I need to go on YouTube, but or where whatever I could get it off of. But you remember the show Will and Grace? Yeah. So in the, in one episode of Will and Grace, and of course, this is the one that sticks out for me because I've been in politics for so long. But Grace has a candidate that she really likes and Will has a candidate he really likes. And both of them know nothing about their candidates. They don't know if they're liberal or conservative, Republican or Democrat. They have no idea about them. And so Will finds out Grace is having the candidate. Grace finds out Will's having the candidate in their apartment. So they decide to do it at the same time in the same place. And each of their candidates speak and both of them were like, <gasps> because their politics were completely different than what theirs were. And it was like the the amount of misinformation based off, don't judge a book by its cover, right? Like, and that's what they were doing. And that's why it's important to be informed, to be involved, to have some information. The whole thing is is really important. Knowledge, right? Knowledge is is really everything. But that's why you do what you do and what I do what I, what I do. And and I hope that 
conversations like this and and women like you, women like me, women like us together in the in the force, the power that we could be, inspire other. They won't really let us play together much. No, though, no, they're... no. I know they want to keep us separate. <laughs> the the boys don't like when we get together because then we cause too much yep. trouble. <laughs> But I hope that it's inspiring to other women and especially young women to be involved and to to let their voices be heard, because just because someone is loud or the male voice and nothing against the guys, my bestest, bestest friend is is a guy. And but he lets me speak and he listens to what I have to say. And that's what makes it different in our in our political relationship is that the, the mutual respect. And and I think by having more women in the room, whether you're elected to office, you want to run for office, you want to be a campaign manager, you want to be the fundraiser, you just want to lick and stuff envelopes. So you want to knock on doors. But I think eventually being able to communicate with the candidate, being able to communicate with staff and, and ha- lending your own experiences right and and people people will actually start to listen and hear and it's so important it really is it's 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 democracy as you put it it's democracy in action that's what it is democracy in action exactly so well judy i love having you with me today on political contessa i wish you all the best on the republican state committee and all of the the fun that that brings to your life and all the enrichment <laughs> that that brings <laughs> you can't you can't days see. it's fun some days <laughs> <laughs> you out there in podcast land can't see me laughing and winking at judy but she she does a great job and holds down the fort and i'm so impressed by everything she does and all the incoming fire that she takes because you know a lot of times if you're doing your job there's someone who is very unhappy with you and judy has people who are unhappy with her and it's because she does her job really well so well, I learned from the best. So. <laughs> yeah, public enemy number one over here. <laughs> Jay, oh, you're doing your job. <laughs> I, I, I try. I try. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today on Political Contessa. Another day, I would love to talk about marketing and maybe how women can market themselves better. So stay tuned because I'm going to call you back on. Anytime, Jen. Anytime. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. And thank you for being here and listening to me and Judy Crocker on Political Contessa today. I'm Jennifer Nassor. I'm your Political Contessa. Stay happy, healthy, and safe. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. 